0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fees, 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement. Due $35 per
1: line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Back here on the Get Right, we're Reggie KG on 105 through the fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatua. Larry Flores holding down for you here on this Thursday night. Really appreciate you joining us here on Odyssey. And the Odyssey app, the truckred.com text line 877-811-053. John Michaud of The Athletic coming up here in just a moment via the Diamond Factory hotline coming up here in about, coming up in 17 minutes. Uh, we go around <laughs> the National Football League right here on your home of the Dallas Cowboys. Right now, though, we do go to the Diamond Factory hotline where we welcome in John Mashota of The Athletic, not just a Cowboys insider, John, these days, but your resident tattoo expert. Is that right? What? (laughs) That is. Yeah.
2: You know, I mean, if guys are going to be doing full leg and arm sleeves and it's all the star players of the Cowboys, I guess I'll I'll report on that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let me ask you in that vein. Have you learned anything that you did not like realize before you had to have a mini tattoo beat (laughs) over the last few months? (laughs)
2: You know, I would say the biggest thing for me is I didn't I didn't realize that the whole like having four people work on, on you at the same time. And the only reason why I say this is because like I'm the type of person that I can't even do a, a simple, basic drawing of a person, you know, on a piece of paper, let alone to do some type of thing on, you know, working on someone's leg or arm. And, and you know, you have to, you know, contour to their skin and things like that. And then they have, you know. Three other artists that you're confident in that they can be doing something while you're doing something else so you guys can get this done as soon as possible, like the teamwork aspect of it kind of blew my mind, especially when you see the finished products and how like seamless the whole you know tattoo looks is is just wild to me, and then also obviously I wanted to know like pricing and things like that i mean what is what is this entailing so yeah no all of it was was fascinating to me and it just the fact that it starts out with you know C.D. Lamb, they do a good job on him uh, on his back piece. So then Dax sees it, and he likes it, and then Tony Pollard sees that, and then he likes it, and then I, I think Trayvon Diggs is going to get something done. So um, you know, talking to the main artist there, uh, Andre Ortega, it is pretty interesting how fast the word of mouth has traveled for him in his business and, and Instagram to the point where he just opened a shop in uh, Arizona in Glendale, not too far from the stadium there and how he hasn't even had a chance to have walk-ins because he has so many you know clients already scheduled in advance.
1: John
0: Michaud, a tattoo
1: insider That's as well right. as long as, as well as Cowboys insider. hey John I'm gonna click that up on
0: email <laughs> to you make sure to take it to your bosses and see if you can get a raise behind it
2: <laughs> <laughs> I like I, hey, I like that. hey real quick I got a question for you guys. Uh, radio business behind the scenes here. Who comes up with the music that you guys to play that to go into a segment like, like right there when you played that Bone Thugs and Harmony?
0: All right, so first of all, I as we played first of the month, I wanted to make sure everybody listening knows it is actually the sixth and if you were thinking it's the first, you are late on your rent. Um or mortgage. <laughs> but secondly, that's actually kind of a centralized job that like this music director kinda of puts in a whole bunch of bumps and these things kind of just randomly come up. Unless you're Lucius Alexander the Great uh on the board, where he, he just pulls whatever music he's feeling and it makes the vibe. So much better
2: i like that i like that i didn't i never knew how that went like if, if it's you guys are picking all of that or it's just kind of set up and you just go with whatever a producer picks out for you
0: oh no if, if we were picking that trust me you would
1: never hear fort minor ever again <laughs> please believe <laughs> remember the name of course uh john as we get closer to the nfl draft we are exactly three weeks away from the nfl's annual selection meeting give me a name or two, that you feel like we need to start kind of maybe coalescing around? Or is there a group of names that you feel like could really be in play there at 26 based on what you've come to learn and observe from this Cowboys team going into the NFL draft?
2: You know, there's not. if I was just going to give you one name, I I think I'd say Jalen Hyatt, but I think it's more so the wide receiver position in general. And the reason why I say that is because, I just think there's so much, there's not like a consensus at all with those top, you know, four or five wide receivers, the ones that you would potentially, one or two could possibly, maybe three could be there for you at 26. And so I just look at that position as one where, you know, you go back to 2020 and as the draft's un, uh, unfolding, I think that was the year the Cowboys had 17. And you're just like, man, I can't believe, you know, Caleb on chase on still there falling to them. Um, you know, it just seemed like a draft that, oh, hey, defensive end, corner, that seems like that's what they need. And then C.D. Lamb is there, and there wasn't much buzz about C.D. Lamb to the Cowboys. In fact, there was none going into that draft. But because he was so high on their board and they didn't even think that he'd be there, you know, plans change. And so i say the wide receiver position and a guy like a Jalen Hyde it because of the fact of, well, one, he's, he's one of their 30 visitors, but also – what if one of those receivers, maybe him, maybe Jordan Edison, maybe it's Jackson Smith and Jigba, what if one of those guys is the top receiver or second best receiver on their board and he's there at 26? Because I don't know that they're going to have their board set up the exact same way that Carolina will or the Eagles will or some other teams that they might really like one of those wide receivers and might think it's absolute steal at 26. And so, yes, they, they made the trade for Brandon Cooks, but, I certainly think wide receiver is, is very much in play at 26.
0: It's funny because I absolutely respect the value play of this, but, and you do need, obviously, you have your starting three wide receivers, we all imagine, but you do need a fourth wide receiver, understanding that this is football and dudes get injured or, you know, guys need to play it off. With that being, cons- you know, all considered, Jalen Tolbert was a second round selection last year. Semi Fihoko was, or sorry, third round selection. Thank you. Um, And then also Semi Fihoko has been on this team a few years. Uh, Is there any, how do you think the organization feels about these guys? Because these guys have largely fallen out of the longer, or the larger discourse outside of the building.
2: Well, I think that there's hope that Jalen Tolbert having a full year in the organization and, and, and an expectation that he'll be better than he was last year. But You know, it's the same thing with Michael Gallup. You know, they thought that he would probably be a little bit more impactful, less than a year removed from that knee injury. Now he'll be two years. So there's more hope and expectation that Michael Gallup will perform more like he did before the knee injury, and that Jalen Tolbert being now a second year wide receiver can make a little bit more of a jump to where, hey, maybe he's your he should be able to be like you said, you use a third round pick on him. The expectation that you should go into this season is he is your fourth wide receiver. But if you have any you know, any thought that maybe that isn't the case or that, Hey, we, we got, we can't be going on hope here. We got to make sure we get some other help here. And one of those top receivers is there for you. I get why you would do that because it was a league where I really felt like you needed two really good starting wide receivers. Then it was three. And now I think we're at the, at the spot that you need four. And so uh, if Jalen Tolbert is the player that they thought he was when they when they drafted him and, and it just took him a year to catch up to where they where they want him to be, then, yeah, maybe they don't worry about wide receiver. But I just see all these wide receivers that they're bringing in, and it makes me think, like, even if they don't address it in the first round, they're addressing it at some point.
1: John Mishota, the athletic covering the Dallas Cowboys, and is here on the Get Right with Reggie KG here on your home with the Cowboys. 105-3, the fan. Other positions outside of receiver, a lot of talk around tight end, a lot of talk around offensive line as well, possibly even corner. How would you rank the position of either need or want based on the way that the Cowboys have been able to move this offseason with the moves that they've made?
2: Well, I would say that the two biggest needs would be left, ta- left guard and uh, defensive tackle. And I just, both positions, you'd sit there and think, well, okay, those are your top two. Well, they'll address that at twenty six. And I just don't know that that'll necessarily be the case because they might not like the players there at 26 of those positions as much as they might like a wide receiver, or like if a Bijan Robinson falls in, they might not even be thinking of that. But then all of a sudden Bijan falls to them, and they're just like, well, obviously we're doing this. I mean, I know we have bigger holes other places, but this is just you got to go in this direction, and that's the way you should be drafting at 26. It shouldn't be to just fill a need and, and say, well. You know, yeah, there's three players we like more than Osiris Torrance, but Osiris Torrance is here and we need a left guard. Let's go get him. Like, I don't, I don't like the idea of it, and I don't get the sense that, they dra- that they're that they going to draft like that anyway. But, yeah, left, left guard, if you get somebody there uh, 26 or in the second round, that makes a lot of sense. If there's a defensive tackle there that you really like. But I just, you know, when we're talking 26, I just, I mean, I got to go off of, of history. I mean, it, this is a team that hasn't drafted a defensive tackle in the first round since Russell Maryland in 91. So until they do that, I have my doubts about that. And then even at tight end, it's a deep tight end class. Everybody talks about how how good this class is. And I have my doubts that they'll draft a tight end in the first round. They haven't done that in a long time, not since 97. Mike McCarthy's 13 years in Green Bay. They never drafted a tight end in the first two rounds. I just, you know, they've gotten good production out of Jake Ferguson, fourth-round pick, Dalton Schultz, fourth-round pick, Peyton Hendershot, undrafted guy, Uh, you know, Sean McCune an undrafted guy, makes me think that they've, probably look at tight end of like yeah it is Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid the best tight ends? sure but maybe they think that there's a guy in the second or third round that they could get that's not that far off in terms of impact to go with that group that's the only reason I those positions are major needs don't get me wrong but I, I don't sense that they're going to reach for, on, on a position over value of, of, of a prospect that could be there
1: with talk of Jalen Carter possibly falling down or out of teams draft boards completely could you see this team Taking a risk with Carter at twenty six, if he's there,
2: Jerry Jones is still the owner and general manager. So absolutely, <laughs> everything is on the table with Jerry Jones. There's no, uh, you know. Now I will say this: it is. It could be one of those things where we find out after the first round's over. Let's say Jalen Carter was there. You know, obviously, you guys have seen the reports that have come out that there's multiple teams that have completely taken him off their board. Maybe after the first round, or uh, you know, maybe maybe it'll be maybe he's a second or third round pick, and then after that pick. Maybe Jerry or Steven will say, yeah, he was the guy we had off of our board, but they're not going to say that beforehand. And the way Jerry Jones uh, loves the whole idea of getting the talent and he'll worry about the off-the-field stuff later, man, if Jalen Carter starts slipping, there's just no way you can rule out the Cowboys.
0: Now, we're talking to John Machota of The Athletic. I like to call him Johnny Matches. Uh, was there anybody on the 30 visits for these Cowboys that caught your attention uh, for whatever reason?
2: it's a good question. Um, you know what, I'll probably say Zay Flowers just because of the size, you know. M- most of us look at Zay Flowers as a guy that if, unless there's some massive amounts of trades that the Cowboys are going to do early in the draft, which I just don't see them doing, I-, I really feel like their first three picks will be exactly where they are right now, slotted. And I look at a guy like Zay Flowers and I'm like, well, if you have any interest in him, it's at 26 because he ain't falling to you in the second round. And so seeing his name there with his size, whatever, 5'9", five, 5'8", five, uh, that, that one that one intrigued me because I'm so used to hearing Mike McCarthy talk about, you know, having the bigger type receivers. He likes, you know, West Coast offense, having those interchangeable pieces that can play on the inside, play on the outside that are, you know, like the Super Bowl team you had with Donald Driver and, and Greg Jennings and guys like that, Jordy Nelson, uh, the bigger type of receivers like that. And so that, you know, I mean, obviously he had he had Randall Cobb, too, that they drafted. Um, But I just that one that one probably surprised me the most uh, just because of of the size. I'm looking at the list right now. There's not really. Yeah, there's not really many other people on there. I mean, Hyatt. Yes. Quinton Johnson totally makes sense. Manuel Forbes that Steve Avila from TCU. uh, Yeah. Like most of those first round guys that are that are on that list, they they all make sense. Zay Flowers is probably the one that stands out.
0: It's actually funny because you talk about size. They also have Tank Dell on, on there out of Houston, also a little guy. So, yeah, that that is interesting. Obviously not a first-round guy, though. Um, real quick before we let you go, or yeah, did go you have something else?
1: No, I gonna say there was a couple other ones that made um a quick headline with the 30 visits. Uh, Drew Sanders, Arkansas linebacker, yeah. and Darnell Washington tied in from Georgia. Big also boy. one of the 30 visits as well for the Cowboys that uh, was on that list. The Sanders the Sanders thing's interesting to me because –
2: You know, linebacker has kind of gotten, like, running back, where unless you have – you really bring the pass rush element, which obviously was the case with Micah Parsons. That's when – I mean, they drafted Micah Parsons. Like, from the moment they drafted him until we talked to, you know, Jerry and Steven after that first round, I kind of was shaking my head at, like, I don't understand this pick that much because if you're getting just an off-the-ball linebacker, I know he's a game-changer type of linebacker that can make a lot of plays, but really, at 12? Like, that just seems like that's kind of high for that position nowadays. But then, of course, you know, you talk to Jerry and Stephen after, like, no, no, we liked him because of his pass rush. That didn't jump out to me at Penn State, although I knew he could do it, and I saw him wreck games like that. But that's a guy that I don't think he had more than five sacks in a season at Penn State. I'm thinking, hey, if you're taking this guy at 12, they probably want a double-digit sack guy, and that's what he is. But I just – I have my doubts about them just taking – a off-the-ball linebacker at 26 that's not going to bring uh, some type of pass rush element to the game to be a a movable chess piece um, you know kind of for Dan Quinn that's another interesting thing for me like when I look at this draft if they feel that way about any position on defense I'm completely on board because Dan Quinn has showed you how he can utilize so many defensive players in different ways that really makes this defense so multiple so if like a Brian Brisset, uh, the, the defensive tackle from Clemson, or, you know, somebody like that falls to them and they like that person at 26, or, you know, like a Nolan Smith or, or one of these edge rushers that might not have fit before Dan Quinn, you've got to give Dan Quinn the benefit of the doubt because of what he's shown us so far.
0: Absolutely a fair point. John, before we let you go, we've we've talked to you about being a tattoo insider, obviously Cowboys mm-hmm, reporter. Mm-hmm. I would like to now make you our major American sports correspondent because you were mm. in Houston for the, you know, the final game, the national championship game for the men in the uh, NCAA men's tournament. Uh, Can you just point to or give us a feeling of just how that game felt uh, being in the arena?
2: Okay, so here's the deal. I did not actually go to the national championship game. I went to the two, yeah, I went to the semifinal games uh, on Saturday and then drove back on Sunday because I needed to see no more after that. I didn't care to see (laughs) (laughs) non-competitive I, I've, I've been on this run, okay, so I, since 2010, I've been to, that was my 11th Final Four, and so most of the time I will stay for the championship game, but after watching the two semifinals, I felt like watching Miami and UConn was probably the national championship game. I just didn't think that SDSU or FAU were going to have enough to make a run, so hey, I, actually, I actually drove back uh, on Sunday, uh, and I have no regrets.
0: Yeah, you feel vindicated. I imagine you feel vindicated in that regard.
2: I mean, you see those TV ratings, uh, I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. like, you know, as you, as you guys know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a diehard Duke fan. And I get all, I hear all this talk about how well no one's got more national championships in the last 25 years than UConn. They're, they, they're a blue blood too. And I'm just like, yeah, in the last 25 years, they've missed the tournament eight times and they they're on like their third different head coach. Like also go ahead and name any players on their team. You know, like, I just, I don't know. Like, it's, it's nice. Hey, that's great. But, they're not knocking on the door for for me with the Kentuckys and North Carolinas and Dukes and Kansases. You got to have consistent success year after year for me for me to. And maybe they are on the on the verge of that, but we'll see if that lasts.
1: Yeah, the UConn reminds me of the New York Giants. They're a real all or nothing team. Either they're going to win it all or not make it at all.
2: <laughs> and my, my thing on them is like, can you guys even name their home arena?
1: Oh, that's a great point. Is it like the Mohegan point. Sun joint? No, nah, that, I don't think that's on campus. Is that on campus? I nah. don't know. See, exactly. That's, there you that go. is a casino, I believe. Well, I know the, the WNBA team plays. I don't see that. Mm-hmm, that's that's what I'm about. That's why. Uh, anyway, John, love you. Appreciate you. i glad you made it back from Houston safely and were bored out of your mind watching, you know, UConn destroy San Diego <laughs> State in the uh, the national title game. As always, man, appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. There he goes. John Michelle of, of The Athletic enough to join us here. On the get right of Reggie KG here on 105.3 The Fan. Yeah, John loves his basketball. College basketball is particular.
0: Well, I mean, he loves his uh, NBA as well. But college basketball, he's all in on that.
1: Yeah. Love John. The only thing I can't forgive him on is being a Duke fan. Him and Hagelin got that in common. And I don't get it. That's okay. Uh, Coming up next, we go around the National Football League. The Jets finally got a quarterback. No, it's not that one. Next on the get right. (laughs)